presenting this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. We're talking to experts in the field about sports and exercise-related injuries and the latest advances in diagnosis, treatment, and prevention to help your patients stay active. Even after steroid scandals in Major League Baseball and more than 30 athletes were withheld from the 2010 Winter Olympic Games in Vancouver for breaking anti-doping rules, sports officials still worried about athletes and the controversial enhancements they may take. In particular, a new erythropoietin called hematide. You're listening to ReachMD Radio, a channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Bruce Japson, and joining me today is Dr. Gary Wadler. Dr. Wadler is an internist with special expertise in the field of drug use in sports as a fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine. He is author of the well-known textbook, Drugs and the Athlete. Dr. Wadler currently serves as chairman of the World Anti-Doping Agency's Prohibited List and Methods Subcommittee and serves as an ex-officio member of the agency's Health, Medicine, and Research Committee. He has also served as a medical advisor to the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy and is a past trustee of the board of the American College of Sports Medicine and of the Women's Sports Foundation. Dr. Wadler remains in private practice in internal medicine and sports medicine at Manhasset, New York, and is a clinical associate professor of medicine at the New York University School of Medicine. We're so happy to have him with us. He joins us today from his offices in Manhasset, New York. Dr. Gary Wadler, welcome to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Very nice being with you, Bruce. So, Dr. Wadler, tell us more about your role in anti-doping and, and what some of the latest things are. Because I know from the most recent Winter Olympics, there's a new drug people are worried about, and this is hematide. And it just seems like these issues just never go away. Well, it's interesting because you talk about the word drugs. And when I got into this field, which was by accident, my notion of what drugs were were to help people with various ailments and disorders. And that's what drugs are to this very day. And we're constantly developing new drugs to treat diseases, new diseases, and diseases which we were unable to treat previously. For years, and I had started a dialysis program way back, and when people were in kidney failure, they needed transfusions. And that was a major undertaking to constantly transfuse them. Back in the 1980s, using uh, what we call recombinant DNA technology, they were able to develop a substance called EPO, erythropoietin, which is naturally occurring in the body, but produced and manufactured. So people who were in kidney failure would not need to receive the transfusions. They can get this EPO injection and get it on a many times a week basis. In the 90s, if you recall Salt Lake, there was another substance called Darbopoietin, which was a first cousin of EPO. It was a long-acting EPO. Why did they develop it? Well, because that substance only needed to be injected once once a week, as opposed to EPO, which was three times a week. And then, with further advancements, they came up with other variations of the EPO molecule, and now we have substances that need to be injected only on a monthly basis. In that context, hematide is still another advancement in the EPO model, which has slightly different properties that will enable patients to take it on a monthly basis, if not longer, and maybe perhaps even taken orally. So these are drugs to help patients. That's the bottom line. All the doping agents, whether it's human growth hormone or anabolic steroids or EPO, really have nothing to do with athletics. It's the abuse that puts them in the world of athletics, and we're not going to stop 
producing new drugs to take care of patients who have various ailments. And so we always are mindful when a new drug is, is developed, the potential for its abuse is there and it's real. We work with manufacturers to try to come up with tests to monitor these kinds of behaviors. And in the years ahead, undoubtedly, gene therapy will be part of the mix of taking care of patients and will ultimately lead to, I suspect, unfortunately, into the realm of gene doping. So it's a recurrent theme. It's really an abuse of some of the best science that man has produced, and that's an unfortunate scenario. That's an interesting point that I've not heard, that it will continue to recur. So when you hear that there are some 30 athletes that were disqualified before the Winter Olympics, you say to yourself, come on, do you think that's a problem, that it's just not going to go away? Well, it's a moving target, if you will. It's an evolving problem, and I think it ultimately gets back to ethics and fair play. And after all, if we look at the anti-doping movement, it's really came into being because of clean athletes insisting that they have a level playing field. They want an ethical sport. They want to play true. And they don't want to be put in a position where they even have to contemplate having to cheat to compete. Human beings being what they are, I suspect there will always be some people out there who are trying to game the system, and that's unfortunate. Just as the advancement in our technology is a reality, and we just have to live with it. And I think we've made enormous progress, certainly in the last decade since the formation of the World Anti-Doping Agency, which brought together not only the governing bodies of sport of the world, but the governments of the world. So it's really a broad-based approach. After all, it's not only about elite athletes, it's about high school kids who wind up taking these drugs and anabolic steroids and the like. It's recreational athletes. I mean, it's really, in a way, a sad commentary. But we have to deal with the facts as they are. You bring up an interesting point. Would you say that the doping instances could be on the decline, or it's just that we don't have tests for the drugs that are out there? I think we've made a lot of progress. I mean, I was just looking earlier today at the baseball, Major League Baseball statistics, and I certainly have been critical over the years about the fact that they're not where they need to be in certain aspects of this. But, you know, they had some 93 positive steroid tests in 1995. This year they had one. They have other problems, but clearly we are having an impact. We're seeing a decrease in the use of these drugs amongst high school athletes, professional athletes, and I think we're seeing it across the Olympic movement. So we are definitely having an impact, but if perfection is our goal, that's another story. If you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter of the Chicago Tribune. And with me today is Dr. Gary Wadler. Dr. Wadler is an internationally known doctor in the field of anti-doping, and he has a specialty in the field of drug use and sports. He's a fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine. His practice is in Manhasset, New York, where he's joining us from today. And doctor, you bring up an interesting point about how the doping or some of these performance-enhancing drugs like EPO and steroids show up in even younger kids. Do you have any advice for the clinicians out there, perhaps primary care physicians, for example? They're looking for something to look at their patients and see whether they have problems. What, what should they be looking for? Maybe they're giving physicals. Is there anything they can do even on the most basic level in their offices? Well, first of all, I think it's important for primary care physicians to engage the high school age patient into a discussion about these subjects in a non-accusatory way. I'll give you an example of a real problem for pediatricians and internists and family physicians is the individual who is 16, 15, 14 years old 
uh, comes in. The parents say this kid's been acting out. He's been hanging around with the gym. He's been lifting weights. He's developed a lot of acne. He's become irritable. Got to be careful because, true, that could be all signs and symptoms of anabolic steroid abuse, but more likely, statistically, it's more likely just a difficult adolescence. You know, I remember growing up and my kids growing up and hearing the term boys going through a difficult adolescence. So a difficult adolescence doesn't necessarily equate with the abuse of anabolic steroids. On the other hand, the flip side is equally true. That if you're dismissive and say, oh, it's only a difficult adolescent, you may be overlooking the abuse of anabolic steroids. And so I think it's something that has to be thought about by the physician. If one crosses your mind, that is, if steroid abuse crosses your mind, then a difficult adolescence also has to cross your mind. And then you have to either pursue it with testing and urine testing and the like in, in other ways. So it's something that I don't think we talk about enough. One of the programs I'm chairman of is the Taylor Hooten Foundation, which is, I'm sure most of your listeners have heard about it, the foundation which I started based on the fact that a 16-year-old boy in Texas who was a gifted high school pitcher was told he would probably be a candidate ultimately to make the major leagues as his cousin Bert Hooten had if he only got bigger. Well, he left his own devices. He lived in Texas. He went down to Mexico, got anabolic steroids. All the things you hear about anabolic steroids occurred to him acne, irritability, and, and the like, wound up in a difficult relationship with his family. They convinced him to stop steroids. He went upstairs, took a couple of belts, and hanged himself at age 16. Now, what we've done is we're working with Major League Baseball. We've gone to all the Major League parks around the country and are educating youngsters and their families about the dangers of performance-enhancing drug abuse. And I think we don't talk enough about the impact on kids and the abuse by kids, we are so preoccupied with the major sports. You know, just pick up today's paper about blood spinning and so on. It's just oh, what's going on in Canada with Galea. I mean, those are the stories, but the real issue is what are we doing with our kids? That's an excellent point. When you're talking about for the primary care physicians and other physicians out there, what they can look for, how about the diagnostic tests? How can a drug like hematite or EPO be detected? Can it be detected? Fortunately, the erythropoiesis stimulating agents, to the best of my knowledge, has really not made its way into youth sports. That's really more for endurance kind of sports. And so I think we're more concerned about particularly young people with, with anabolic steroids. And certainly, depending if it's testosterone or synthetic anabolic steroids, there's a, there are tests that are available. You get the T ratios, testosterone to epitestosterone. The ratios in the urine, you can measure blood testosterone. Certainly the uh, synthetic derivatives, you can get uh, urine testing. So you can do testing. Good physical examination is not a bad idea either. Whether you're dealing with gynecomastia, testicular atrophy, change in voice. There are any number of physical signs that one can look at. There are a number of laboratory tests, whether it's LH, testosterone, TE ratios, I suggest, and another urine test. So I think it's like any other patient. I mean, you've got to take a history, do a physical, obtain your necessary and appropriate laboratory test, come up with a working diagnosis, and take it from there. And anabolic steroids, those can be picked up on a urine test, can't they? Tell us, what can be picked up on tests like this? They can, although I must say, in recent years or so, it's becoming difficult. Some of the bigger commercial labs are no longer doing urine testing for 
synthetic anabolic steroids. I'm not sure what's behind that, and it's kind of disturbing. It certainly should be widely available to people taking care of athletes and teenagers and so on, but it is what it is. I'm not sure what's necessarily going on with the lab. Somebody ought to look into that. And before we wrap up, what are you working on these days, Doctor? Give some examples to our listeners of some of your other research. You know, we put out a list We at the World Anti-Doping Agency, which is a list of prohibited substances and methods, which is banned by all major professional sports around the world except in the United States, as well as by the Olympic movement and so on. And so we put it out once a year, and we have some of the best scientific minds from around the world who meet three times a week in Montreal. And we revisit the current list, what's coming down the pike therapeutically, and we try to constantly tweak the list to be current, appropriate, so that's pretty consuming. Unfortunately, we're also allowed to testify as an expert in any number of trials where steroids was at the heart of various illegal activities and uh, conspiracies, and including deaths. And so I have a full plate, but from day to day I see patients, which is my first love. Well, with that, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Gary Wadler. He's an internist with a special expertise in the field of drug use and sports, fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine. And we've been talking about doping and anti-doping measures and how the use of enhancement steroids are not going away, unfortunately, anytime soon. But it's all about raising awareness, and physicians potentially may be saving some lives. I'm Bruce Japson. I've been your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. We're online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com. 